0: Both my kids are very responsive to um, the climate crisis that we're in. And they realize that, and they're 14 and 11, the likelihood of them getting a driver's license, even wanting to drive is, that's that's literally not on the table for them. They want to be able to get around by, by bike, by walking, by public transit, they want to do that Throughout, you know, their their lives here in Toronto, and um, it's going to be up to myself, up to my wife, to really amplify their needs.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Active Towns channel. I'm John Zimmerman, and that was Lannrick Bennett Jr. Uh, Lannrick is the bicycle mayor of Toronto, Canada. And uh, you may recall that I interviewed Maude DeVries, the co-founder of the bikes program, the organization that has the bicycle mayor uh, initiative. It is a global initiative where they're identifying members of the community that can help move the bicycle message forward, the need for safer infrastructure, uh, getting people engaged, and encouraging more people to ride more often. Uh, it is a fabulous conversation. I'm so delighted to share this with you. Uh, so let's get right to it with Lanrick? Lanrick,
0: thank you so much for joining me on the Active Towns Podcast. Hey! Thank you so very much for the invite. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun. We are gonna have a lot of fun, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Uh,
1: why don't we do this? Um, we're gonna we're gonna go into uh, you know some of the the nitty gritty details of of your position that you hold, very formal position uh, there in Toronto. But uh, why don't you just take a, a quick moment to
0: share with the audience a little bit about yourself? Wow. Okay. Well. Uh... Again, uh, I'm Landrick Bennett Jr. I live here in the city of Toronto. Uh, I have uh, I've been anointed, anointed. I've been uh, uh, put forth as the new uh, bicycle mayor here in Toronto. An awesome position. You don't get a sash. You don't get a crown. Uh, but uh, you're you're connected through a, a very amazing network of other mayors across. Uh, the world, an organization in the Netherlands called Bikes, B-Y-C-S, organizes different areas throughout uh, the world where we can all come together understanding the significance and the, the real understanding of how bikes, bicycles, uh, this, this biking network in general can really make cities a more livable place. I am a, I'm really a newbie when it comes to uh, cycling in general. I blame my kids. They definitely want to be able to cycle around uh, the city and uh, have pushed me to become an advocate, a voice uh, that gets to connect with other voices throughout a city of 3 million people where we're very car-centric here in uh, Toronto, very car-dependent and uh cycling biking uh public transit, active transportation is still seen as uh, something on the side as a ad piece and uh, being the bicycle mayor it's it's really my my job and 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 my want to be able to amplify and push out any and all reasons to get on a bike to make it safer for people and to make sure that that conversation is continuous.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. and I had the honor of uh, having uh, Maude DeVries on the mm-hmm. uh, the podcast a, a few episodes ago and so uh, we talked a little bit about the history of uh, launching uh, Bikes, the organization and the Bicycle mm-hmm. uh, Mayor Network and it truly is a global initiative. I mean you look at the, the number of locations around the globe uh, many, many uh, that are popping up in India right now which is super, yes. super cool yeah. to see yeah. um, and so <laughs> we can see that North America, we need a little bit more, and uh, and that's. But it's so cool that that you know that you were you know part of this, been sort of elected slash volunteered. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about that story. How how did that all all come about?
0: Yeah, you know, I was uh, working for an organization called Eight Eighty Cities. Uh, oh, no yeah. longer with them. Yeah, yeah, great, great organization. Looking at cities, looking at streets through the lens of an eight-year-old and an eighty-year-old, and figuring that if if you can have that that lens where everyone can be able to play, uh, be able to. Uh, get around safely. Uh, that's a city that we all want to be a part of. So I was with that organization, and uh, when the bicycle mayor piece kind of came up, I had a few friends that were just like, you should really be getting into this. Uh, and a few reference letters later, connected with, uh, bikes and, uh, I, I think for them. And I think it was quite funny because I started this merrill uh, ship in, uh, January and cycling in Toronto in January is a bit, uh, daunting to say the least. Uh, so uh, the rollout was maybe a bit slower than, uh, than we wanted, but uh, the openness of the cycling community here in Toronto and the conversations that I'm having, honestly, throughout the world right now when it comes to cycling has been uh, amazing. And it really is, uh, it's a testament to bikes and what they've already put forth, but also just for this pent up, usage of of bicycles. and I mean, the pandemic surely had a hand in getting a lot of people to dust off what was in their uh, garages, you know taking stuff out of their laneways and and kind of seeing this this machine that can get them from point A to point B without you know having to turn on an engine. the The big thing here in Toronto and, and we may get uh, into a bit more of this is the infrastructure. And it's creating that safe infrastructure, not just to get you from your house to a recreational uh, track, but we want to get you to work, we want to get you to school, we want to get you to fun, uh, we want to get everywhere that you possibly could in a car. But being able to do that on a bike is it's it's a it's a whole different category of wonderfulness when uh, you can ride to your destinations.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to go back over here to to this little uh, landing page for for you out on the, the the website here. And I think that one of the things that is incredibly important to recognize because you mentioned that you this is new to you that you know yeah. certainly the the bikes in general are new to you it, not super super new but hmm. relatively new officially new um, <laughs> okay. and certainly the advocacy side is new. You honed right in on, on something that has been one of our key weaknesses in the Safe Streets movement and the, the bicycle advocacy movement since that we're way too white. <laughs> it's just like, it's it's laughable how it's sad and, 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 and you can cry, but it's also laughable just how white the movement has been and how, you know... Unrepresented in uh, you know, the BIPOC community has been in in doing this, and you know it's it's so refreshing. That it's a breath of fresh air when we see new people get engaged and get going and saying, "Well, why the hell not? Let's 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 get let's do this and let's engage this." Because when we look at the statistics, we see that these are exactly the communities that are most impacted negatively by the streets that we have and the networks that we have. Talk a little bit about that and why you're so passionate about doing this from that perspective.
0: You know, I'm a black man. I'm a black man that uh, enjoys writing. I enjoy going across uh, my city here in uh, Toronto, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous being a black male in, in our society right now. And being able to safely get from point A to point B can sometimes be challenging. My hope, uh, and I've got a two-year term, is to get more people that look like me wanting to be on bicycles, uh, wanting to be a part of what is what is really, as you say, it's it's definitely much more white than uh, maybe we would like as as a, a person of color, but definitely something where we want to make sure that the privilege that many have is equitably uh, put forth for everyone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you sent over a few photos of, of uh, what I would imagine is probably some interviews <laughs> that kind of popped up. Uh, what's the story behind this uh, this little shoot here?
0: Yeah, you're seeing one of the things that kind of popped up during the pandemic was the fact that there's a huge disparity between people that have food and people that don't. I uh, volunteer and I'm a board member with an organization called the Bike Brigade. And uh, what the Bike Brigade does is they look at the surrounding area. We partner with different food-specific uh, non-for-profits, and we use our bikes to drop off uh, food across the city. Food uh, insecurity is a is a huge, huge, huge problem here in the city of Toronto. And being able to utilize our bikes to safely get our our food to people that need it um, it was it was a it was a wonderful use of bikes in general definitely something that I'm really happy that I've been able to put some time and effort into I get to I get to cycle across the city I get to help my community out by uh, taking really precious cargo food to their doorstep to their front door and it's the organization itself is only two years old. I mean, it literally came about uh, because of the pandemic. But even as we go forward uh, past the last two years, this is it's a it's an organization, the, the bike brigade that's going to continue onwards as we understand that food insecurity is is such a widespread problem in our city. And being on a bike, being able to utilize uh, that tool to help can't go wrong with that.
1: Yeah, earlier you referenced the bike as is the machine. Is this your machine?
0: That's my machine. (laughs) (laughs) Bungee cords and all. I love it.
1: So well, and, and it re- reinforces the fact that uh, uh, any bike can become a cargo bike, you know, get those pan right. you know, get that rack back there, you know, put some panniers on, get some bungee cords, you can do some stuff on the cheap, you don't have to go for the expensive stuff, if you can get to that point, you know, and you are able to do a, a cargo bike, more power to you, if you're able Fair. to get electric assist. More power to you, team. literally, <laughs> because you'll be able to get more places and get more food That's into right. the, the hands, or get to work, you know, yeah. in 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 a uh, especially in hot you know environments. You know, it's be it, like being able to, being able to get there just a little less.
0: That's damp,
1: right, damp. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, what's really powerful though about this movement? is that the whole reason it exists is that point that you just made about the infrastructure. Talk a little bit more deeply about the challenge uh, that you all face in Toronto. Toronto is a big city and from a North American perspective, it's one of the more bike-friendly cities, uh, which isn't saying much, um, especially when you compare it to its, you know, its sort of peer cities in in Canada. When you know, comparing sure. it to Montreal, comparing it to Vancouver, it's got a long way to go. But on the ground, for you and your family in your neighborhood and the places that you go to on a regular basis, what's the biggest challenge?
0: You know, as I said, I started riding, uh, you know, because of my kids, uh, my daughter specifically wanted to ride to school and we, my wife and I, we had bought her a bike and riding around the neighborhood. Yeah. She was great at that, at eight or nine. Uh, and one day she just came into the kitchen and she was like, I want to be able to ride to school. And that was it, that, that was her, that was her, you know, that's what she threw out to us. And uh, my wife looked at me and she was like, I'm already at work, you know, at uh, 6.45 in the morning. Do you think you could ride with Zoe? And, you know, the next weekend I go out, I buy myself a bike and I'm riding with my daughter to, to school. It was awesome. It was awesome being with her, allowing her to feel this sense of ownership and this sense of adventure and being able to, 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 take this bike and go to school. But, uh, and and this is the big but that really stops a lot of people from uh, wanting to ride here in this city, is that the infrastructure that we have, it's paint. Uh, the majority of our cycling infrastructure in Toronto is just paint. And because of this, uh, my daughter would be in the bike lane uh, in paint and I would be in the road as some sort of force field for her. And as we would continue to ride, and and as we got better and faster, and and would find you know new uh, nooks and crannies. Unfortunately, another father was killed on our opposite route, uh, Street uh, Jones Avenue and uh, Dundas. Uh, Douglas Crosby at uh, Pat had been. Uh, crashed into, and uh, just making a regular right-hand turn, completely just, I'm saying this very selfishly, completely threw a wrench in my daughter's headspace of wanting to ride to school. She lasted maybe three months after his death, and she went on strike. And my daughter has not actually been on a bike in four years. And this is after contacting our local politicians you know, making noise on the fact that she wanted not just safe streets for herself, but for her community, for her friends, for her teachers. And we've gotten bit pieces of protective cycling infrastructure, but it's nearly not enough. Um, And I want to, you know, preface that by, you know, just putting forth that we have an amazing transportation department here in Toronto. We have actually a department that is specifically put forth for uh, cycling infrastructure. The problem is we've got a city of 3 million people. And because of that, you need local, you need your councillor, you need your locally elected official to have the political will to step up and say, we need stuff here. We need stuff now. And uh, unfortunately, for for where I live in my neighborhood, uh, we don't have that 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 same political push to yeah. uh, to get cycling infrastructure here. You said it. We need the political will. Boom. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Let's
1: uh, let's hear from Zoe herself. Yeah.
2: Dear Infrastructure and Environment Committee, which includes James Pasternak, Myle Cole, Mike Layton. Denzel Manning-Long, Anthony Perusa, and Jennifer McKelvey. I'm a black girl. I am almost 12 years old. I used to ride my bike to school with my dad. Two years ago, Douglas Crosby was killed at Dundas Street East and Jones Avenue in Toronto, Danforth. This was my halfway point on my route to school at, at Duke of Connaught. For my entire existence, there has not been a safe ride for girls like me to ride to school on any, uh, to any school on Jones Avenue or Dundas Street East. That includes Earl Grey, Blake Street, Queen Alexandra, Dundas Public School, Lesleyville Junior Public School, and my school, Duke. I don't know if you have said no to Paula Flexcher and, and Jennifer's story, but I want you to say yes to every girl that looks like me. Every girl that wants to have a protective bike lane to get them to school safely and back home safely to their parents. My community needs this, my environment needs this, my life needs this. This is my demand on International Women's Day. My name is Zoe Elizabeth Bennett, and I create Black History 365 days a year. Thank you.
1: So, So, (laughs) so (laughs) talk (laughs) about powerful. uh, Yeah. um, So you know you said it earlier you know and, and we saw it in 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 that footage there it's it you know most of north america um the approach to bike lanes to bike networks was a simple painted line and mm-hmm. you know the mantra that that we have in the movement right now um is you know paint is not protection
0: right yeah
1: paint yeah. is not protection now that that being said, we can use some, we can use paint in creative ways, and paint is mm. actually helping us tremendously. Uh, the the asphalt art movement of of using paint as traffic calming and and creating some very creative intersection crossings and intersections to help slow traffic down and traffic calming. So we're not talking about that when we're being yeah. critical of paint and saying paint is not protection. We're literally talking about stop putting down simple four inches of, or six inches of a white line and thinking you're done and going, okay.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Are you happy now, bicyclists? You know, you cyclists, are you happy? The other thing I like to say too, is that sometimes you can use paint strategically as a bike Mm -hmm. lane to create space that then can be you know come back and put in authentic protection and we call that a buffered bike lane uh we can do that again it's still not protection and even if you put the flex posts in there it's still not protection (laughs) but at least it's a real estate placeholder and sometimes that's the interim step that is necessary for a city to be able to get to you know that point of being able to get to that next step and sometimes It's the necessary evil of being able to to create that political will of being able to say that, you know, hey, at least we reserve the space, we created a buffer, we've got a little bit of protection in there, and we're going to prove to the naysayers and to the, the haters that the earth didn't stop spinning, (laughs) <laughs> and then come back when you have the funding to be able to, to put in authentic protection. So I just wanted to say that because, you know, sometimes you, you get some negative reaction of saying, you know, well, you just, you know, paint is not protection. You're, you're, I mean, that's not helping. It's like, well, actually, it kind of is because what we're trying to point out is that you, cities just can't, you know, wash their hands of it and, and think that they're done because they've put in, a, you know, a simple bike lane. And you're and you are correct you're, you the the city of Toronto does have a pretty amazing group of people who are out there working hard. But I think one of the things that is is coming up is we realize we need to be moving much quicker. There's yeah. a sense of urgency. we've got you know we've got climate issues. <laughs> You know, we, we were talking before we hit the record button of the fact that, you know, I, I've been immersed in, in 100 degree, you know, weather, you know, 38 plus degrees Celsius forever down here in, in Texas. And it's and it's ridiculous. Uh, but we also have a sense of urgency that has to take place because our roadway networks are are simply hostile to anyone not in a motor vehicle. Say a few words about what we're gonna hear in this second clip that you sent to me. Set this up for us.
0: Oh, wow. So this is Miguel. Miguel was uh, was crashed into by, uh, by a truck at University and Bloor uh, in downtown Toronto. And this was for uh, this was just before uh, heading off to a to a ghost ride. Uh, we are all vulnerable road users. So that's pedestrians, that's cyclists, That's people outside of uh, cars. And it is so completely apparent that every time you set foot onto these streets, these public streets, these are these are streets that anyone should be able to access. Uh, were built specifically for the movement of cars, trucks. And there needs to be a complete change in that dynamic of being able to really understand that uh, my life, my friends' lives, my neighbors' lives, my kids' lives are as important as any driver. And until we can find that equitable balance... Uh, between a 3,000 pound minimum vehicle and myself and you know uh, uh, the wind it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be dangerous. it's gonna be uh, um, just just scary out there.
1: Yeah I like to remind people though that um, these these streets weren't really built for cars. Mm, mm. If it's an older city, You know, if you're talking a historic city, the car is actually the invader. (laughs) I mean, literally streets have been in our habitat for thousands of years. And so the the car, which is an invention that, you know, came around right about 120 years ago, Mm. give or take, it kind of took over a hundred years ago into the twenties and thirties. And that's when we started seeing fatality rates starting to tick up. Right. But they're the they're the invader of public space, and our streets have always served as the platform for commerce and sociability and wealth creation. And da, 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 da. So in 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 actuality, the motor vehicle is an insidious invader in that space, in that context. And so I like to try to to really look at human Give that? That's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's roll this because I think this is incredibly <laughs> powerful.
0: It, it it doesn't make sense. I don't know how we can't prioritize the life of a human being over a car, over a truck, over construction, over... I don't know why we need to have blood spilled on our streets to have our elected officials realize that, oh my gosh, we've got to do something. Paint's not going to be enough. Eh." And this young man, I, I, I don't know why other people have to die
1: i just i don't get it i really don't yeah don't get it <laughs> um yeah and 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 that's why i wanted to make sure that we we, we talked about pain is not enough
0: <laughs> so
1: yeah you bring up a really good point there and that is why does it have to, to take blood being spilled for politicians to 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 wake up to this are they are they waking up to it
0: never enough uh not quick enough uh not with uh enough vigor to uh make sure that a death like that never happens again and maybe that's why we do we do these uh, uh ghost rides is to show the community show our politicians that you and i Doesn't matter if you're on a bike, if you're walking, if you're in a car, we are human beings and we deserve the same protection and rights that anyone else would have. And, you know, we have our political champions. We have those that are able to uh, uh, put their voice forward and put that uh, political know-how into creating these creative and crafty cycling uh, infrastructure pieces but that's, it, there's no cut and paste to that. What happens is, and I see this a lot here in my city, is that we've got areas that are truly, you know, cycling focused. And then we, we're not able to copy and paste that into other parts of, of uh, the city. And it's, and it's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate.
1: It sounds like what you're saying is that uh, in some sectors of the city, I can think of like the downtown area where you've got some nice protected uh, infrastructure. Um, when I was there for NACTO a few years ago, it was the, at the time it was the planter protected uh, yep. sort of a, 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 a an interim step. I know that they were going to want to put in permanent infrastructure at some point in time. Is what you're saying is that, Geez, some some parts of the community
0: aren't getting that same level of treatment. (laughs) Kind of amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That that equitable uh, bubble. um, And again, a a lot of this is political will. Uh, A lot of this is is having that politician that doesn't necessarily even need to be a cyclist, but just wants to make sure that their streets are safer. Uh, that isn't an across the board mindset. Uh, so you really do have a patchwork uh, here in Toronto, uh, yeah, our downtown core uh, from the from the west side of of the Don River to the East side of the Humber, uh, that is a a focal point of uh, cycling infrastructure that works, and you see it work on a daily basis. I'm coming out from the East End, and I'm very lucky to have uh, what's called uh, Destination Danforth, and this was the expansion of what you saw uh, across Bloor Street takes you across uh, the Don River and brings you almost to uh, to Scarborough, which is wonderful, but it's one street. Right. Uh, one protected street, but it's one street. And to have everyone try and, you know, either come from the north end down south or come from the south, the north you want a grid so you're 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 looking at that's a wonderful picture of a of a pre uh destination danforth with my son but yeah you want that everywhere you don't just need it in this sliver uh and and what happens is you almost have politicians going hey see we did it we're we're done now right We, we we've done we've done everything that you've asked for we've just put it all in one place and uh you know, yeah. thanks. And, and there's no continuous want uh, to to make noise. So yeah, you're you're really you're really pushing on those politicians to go see we did it. And, and I mean, you're showing a picture right now of Destination Danforth, and my son and I are riding on the pre setup. This is six six almost seven kilometers of a street that was transformed from being two lanes of traffic going back and forth with parking to now one lane of uh, drivable east-west plus a protected bike lane. So you're seeing the paint there as just the setup. Before it was even open, they had the planters put in before uh, it was opened up to the public. So we instantaneously had uh, a protective corridor uh, taking you east and west, which was amazing. But I'm not seeing that to the south. I'm not seeing that to the north. This street doesn't help to to take you to schools or to work that isn't on the Danforth. That's where we need to start really activating the understanding and want uh, to protect vulnerable road users.
1: Yeah, yeah. In your your comments, uh, uh, you know, just before the ghost ride, uh, you talked about you know why are we prioritizing the movement of these motor vehicles and all of those things. Mm. The other thing that that came to mind is so often we're also just prioritizing the storage of motor vehicles, the parking, you know, because that's one of yeah. the one of the key battles that takes place is that well, gosh, you know, we've got some limited space on our roadway. We're going to have to remove some on-street parking, and then "quote unquote" all hell breaks loose because <laughs> you know you'd think that you're you know the world is going to end if you, you don't have the ability to park and store your private property on a public right of way.
0: Yeah, so yeah.
1: I just thought I'd throw that yeah, out that's
0: there. Very, very true. Very yeah. true. And I mean the and my last little thing about Destination Danforth, as wonderful as it is. Uh, we know we could have done better if if we had uh, the ability to remove uh, the street parking. Yeah. The the wonderful thing is, is that cars don't buy stuff. People do. Right. And you're more likely to have a person come off of their bike to go into your store, purchase that piece, get right back on their bike and go than you ever will having someone driving around trying to find parking. They do. They kind of look in and... But uh, you know, it's it's trying to change that narrative.
1: I'll hit play on this uh, this um, little <laughs> movie. Why don't you narrate it as we as we go here?
0: Oh gosh, I, I think here? it's going to narrate itself. Uh,
2: <laughs> my my son Jack
0: here. We're we're riding uh, um, westbound on the Danforth. The the crazy thing about this little video here is that. Almost six, seven years ago, my son got to ride on the Danforth during what was called open streets. And they had closed down the street to cars, but opened it up to everyone else. else. And so he was he couldn't have been more than uh, four, maybe five years old and my son rode his bike from the east end all the way to the royal ontario museum we yeah. rode across the the the, the uh, bloor viaduct it was amazing but he'd never been back on that street since that uh, open streets piece so we must have done i mean that video shows just a small snippet we must have gone up and down danforth like 20 or 30 times because he was I'm just like look at me I, yeah. i'm on i'm on the street that you never let me go on Well, and that's one of the things I
1: love about Open Streets events is, is it gives all members of the community an opportunity Mm. to, to see public space, their public space and streets are our largest amount of public space. You're able to see our streets in a different way and imagine, oh, wow, Mm -hmm. this is kind of (laughs) nice. Fair. Yes, it's, it's very, great. Very that's great. That's great that he he had that observation too. Uh, so what's going on here? It looks like we're going for a ride.
0: We're going for a ride. This was uh, this was a a brand new ride through Baycrest. Uh, this is a hospital uh, organization doing Bike for Brain Health, and uh, they look at keeping our brains active, keeping it uh, well and finding opportunities to do research for Alzheimer's and dementia. My father had passed away a few uh, weeks before this ride, and my son Jack and I did a 25 kilometer ride uh, across the Gardner Expressway and Don Valley Parkway. If you've ever been to Toronto, these two monolith uh, freeways are literally cut right into the downtown core Baycrest was able to organize over 5,000 riders uh, to take over the Gardner and the DVP and use that as a vehicle for for fundraising, for uh, brain health. It was it it is an incredible feeling being, you know, uh, 15 meters up, uh, looking around your city going, wow, look at all this space. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had, we had an amazing time. It was, it was so much fun. They're going to be doing it again next year. And, and it was a ride for my dad. He, my dad was a, a huge tinkerer when it came to, uh, bicycles. And, and I mean, you know, it's funny that I had said that my, my riding kind of happened, you know, just you know, four, five, six years ago, I was riding when I was a kid. But as soon as I moved to Toronto, geez, 15 years ago, that riding kind of stopped. So, you know, you get it when you're a child and depending on where you are, what city you're in, you may not be able to continue it. Uh, So I I think, you know, maybe this this comes full circle almost. The fact that I have my children riding as young as they are and, and as much as I may have lost my daughter to wanting to ride in this city, I'm hoping that my son, he's 10 now. Uh, I want him to continue riding all the way through. But we're going to have to build a city that allows him, uh, allows him as a as a young black man, but allows him as as a person on a bike to be able to to do that uh, safely and to to be able to uh, explore. This is a really cool city, and you want to be able to get around, and you shouldn't have to worry about it being in a car. And and one last little piece: this is never in any way, shape, or form a fight uh, against walking or a fight against public transit. Right. This is an addition to not having to be car dependent. Right. So take the bus. Be be wanting and able to to walk around your city, but have have the ability also to to hop on a bike, whether that's an acoustic bike, an e bike, cargo bike, does not matter. You know, we we want to build that infrastructure to make sure that uh, everyone uh, can do it safely.
1: Yeah. yeah. My good friend Chris Bruntlett, uh, with the Dutch Cycling Embassy, likes to say that you know riding a bike is just pedestrian plus. You know you're just able to. It's an extension of the the distance that you can go effectively, and and he makes the point of of saying you know that's part of the Dutch style of riding. <laughs> As a Canadian living in the Netherlands, uh, you know it, it's the, the that you know it's just. It gives you the ability to reach a a ninefold greater amount of your mm-hmm. city, you know from from a, a des, you know from a, a starting point where your origin is, whether that is a transit stop or wherever, it, your, your ability to get to meaningful destinations, you know, it just expands the entire city expands. If you have the appropriate infrastructure in place to be able to make that happen, I wanted to linger on this uh, just just to, to say you know it's so cool when families can get together and do you know fun events like this. I had the opportunity to um, participate in the uh, Tour la Nuit and Tour uh, d'Ile up in Montreal, and seeing okay. the kids do it and they're just they're so excited and they get to the finish line and you know it's it's such <laughs> It's you're you're creating memories and yeah. and and hopefully, you know be able to keep that momentum up. You know keep mm-hmm. the momentum mm-hmm. of riding going so that you don't have that same level of interruption that you did with, with you know with Zoe, uh, and and we can't blame Zoe because. She started to feel vulnerable, and you know, and that's part of the reason why we've got to get this fixed. We've got to get our built environment such that all ages and abilities, uh, all walks of life, you know, can Mm -hmm. get to meaningful destinations. Now, you mentioned earlier about businesses and that you know, cars don't spend money. It's actually (laughs) the people inside the cars, and uh, and and so. In Toronto, I can remember filming in a, a, along a stretch of, of, of neighborhood there, and apparently there was just this huge fight. Uh, I can't remember the name of the street. I'll have to go back and look at the footage of that. And, uh, but apparently, you know, there was a protected bike lane going to go in, and some of the businesses there locally were fighting it tooth and nail, and it, it did go through, and it went in. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, we love this. <laughs> and but part of but part of the strategy of why they loved it is that the cycling community sort of showered them with love even though they were hating on the bike lane Mm -hmm. they just they overwhelmed them with helping them see a different way by you know bringing business to them and making it conspicuous as they ride up and park their bikes and, you know, make those transactions like, oh, bikes mean business. Because you still,
0: yeah, you you, you still need to go out and get your coffee. You're, you're still, you know, uh, popping by the grocery, you're, you're still buying things. Um, now you're giving me as a person that uses a bike, uh, that extra opportunity, That's safe opportunity to be able to now uh come to your business I, I i think that as much as as much as yes the the cycling community was was definitely uh overwhelming uh, not overwhelming but overwhelmingly wanting to access these businesses they were they were doing it in the past you just it, it was just more, it was patchwork more so than anything else. Now it's just a continuous flow. It's a continuous stream. If I ride by your business in the morning before I go to work, there's, there's a pretty good chance that as I'm coming back home, I'm going to stop in, I'm going to see what's in there. You know, I'm, I, I have that ability to safely be able to hop on and hop off in such a Uh, uh, an easier fashion than anyone driving. And the more that these businesses see that uh, continuous interaction, it's definitely, I know it's definitely helped in lessening that argument per se that, well, my business is going to suffer because I can't have these two cars parked in front of my business where you could have dozens of cyclists uh, being able to pop in, pop out, pop in, pop out, in a in a better fashion so it's the proof is definitely in the pudding and and it's getting easier to kind of tame that uh, one argument to the fold where you can showcase different areas of the city where a protected bike lane uh, really does bring in the business
1: yeah yeah and on those streets where we actually have enough space to have a parking protected bikeway, mm-hmm. uh, you might even want as a business, you might even want to like, you know, petition for one of those car parking spots be turned into a, a bike corral. Because would you right. rather have one
0: potential customer or maybe as many as 12? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it is it's pretty amazing that, you know, on a bike, even, even if you were looking at a cargo bike, you're still... The, you the 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 amount of space that bikes take up is such a fraction right. to to a car and 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 if you can park them strategically you can yeah you can fit you can fit a lot in that same uh space that would be uh that would be put forth for for a car for sure yeah yeah, yeah.
1: so in your profile out on the the bikes website uh one of the things that you mention in there is Helping employers encourage people to, to to do a little bit more uh, bike commuting and supporting the employees to be able to take a more uh, active mode, a, a more mm-hmm. sustainable mode. Talk a little bit about that initiative and how receptive employers are to encouraging their employees to to take a more active mode.
0: So I get to blame my wife uh, on this one. Uh, My wife, uh, Sabrina, she's a nurse manager at uh, Princess Margaret Hospital Uh, in Toronto. We've got a a full section uh, street on University Avenue where it's got half a dozen of the top hospitals in Canada Uh, during the pandemic, even before that, but definitely during the pandemic where public transit was was definitely on a, a low grade. Nurses, doctors, uh, patients uh, would utilize bikes as their means of transportation to and from the hospitals. So uh, following up on how uh, my wife has been going uh, on a bike to work, it really was talking with organizations, talking with BIAs and getting them in the know about where their employees are coming from. Uh, We know where they need to go, they need to go to work, how to show off, showcase uh, the ability to be able to park safely, park your bike safely, get to work safely, creating different routes that they can uh, utilize from home to get to work on a bike because of the size of these hospitals. They have the extra luxury of having indoor parking. Some of them have access to uh, showers. Uh, That's definitely the pinnacle. But if you live in your community and you work in your community and are able to get to and from uh, that work environment safely, the more that we can show that, the more that businesses can offer that as an add value uh, to working at your local bank or working at the local grocery, the less that we have to worry about, you know, your uh, employee having to to drive and find parking and pay for parking and doing all of the other things doesn't take away, of course, from public transit or from uh, uh, walking. But within that, you know, five to 10 kilometer uh, circle, if you can hop on a bike and get into work, uh, it just it, it it changes the entire game. It changes the entire mindset. Um, biking for, for so many people is almost a stress reliever. If we can make it safe, uh, it, it's, it is a great stress reliever before you get into work. It's a great stress reliever uh, leaving work. Um, uh, you know, just just being active is, is one of those really uh, uh, key pieces that I want to be able to put forth in businesses' headspace is to, to understand that, hey, this is this is a good thing.
1: So that reminds me of some of this video that I shot, uh, while in Toronto, uh, I, I think I was, it was being led by some members of the city, uh, bicycle program and some of the infrastructure. And this was a really cool facility, a bike locker facility, indoor facility. They had lockers. They also had, mm-hmm. uh, access to showers, uh, really a, a phenomenal level of uh, investment in trying to encourage more people to be able to uh, make those longer trips, especially when you think about it, you know, from, from the standpoint of, having the need for a shower there probably right. indicates that there it's a much longer trip than That's what, right. you know, the, the typical Dutch would be like, well, why do you need showers at your, your facilities? <laughs> well, you'd understand if you're coming in, you know, uh, 20 kilometers away or something Fair like enough. that. Um, yeah. but the, the key was is just the extraordinary level of having safe bike parking, uh, facilities and encouraging and supporting, uh, you know, employees coming in to be able to do that and uh, so I, I I wanted to mention that because I thought it was it was kind of fun that you know that's that's one side of it, and I'm glad we hit both types of journeys, you know, or actually mm-hmm. really we hit kind of all three types of journeys in the sense that we talked about the the safe route to school you know from from your kids perspective uh we talked about those utilitarian trips getting to those businesses and and shopping and doing those daily trips and then also the commute trip uh too often in transportation we focus overly on the commute trip (laughs) you know it's like yeah Yeah. it's like yeah That's one of the trips, but especially for women, there's oftentimes trip chaining, you know, they're doing a lot of care Mm. trips and a lot of little shorter trips in addition to maybe that commute trip as well. So, uh, good, good stuff. Now, occasionally the bike mare gets to meet a real (laughs) mare. Who's this? Oh my gosh,
0: yes. Uh, The mayor of uh, Emeryville, uh, the home of Pixar. That's uh, John uh, Bouter, uh, a phenomenon on Twitter, but uh, just one of those amazing voices that, and it's not just preaching about bikes, it's really opening up the conversation about how we can change the way our cities uh, work for everyone. He is an avid cyclist nonetheless, but uh, he's talking about walking, he's talking about public space, he's talking about how we can transform our streets. He put out a tweet at the beginning of the year saying that, hey, you know, I'd like to take a look at a couple of cities. And uh, we we had a uh, Torontonian, actually we had a Hamiltonian, uh uh basically throw up hey you should come you should come up to canada and john uh replied back if he got a hundred replies uh for toronto he would be here uh we 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 did well over a (laughs) hundred and uh a couple days after canada day on uh on july 3rd we took a 25 yeah just about a 25 kilometer ride uh, together, showcasing a lot of the uh, infrastructure here in Toronto, going down Yonge Street, going across Bloor. Uh, we brought him into the Distillery District, and it was a it was a wonderful ride. Plus, uh, he spent probably two three hours just talking, right. just giving his time as a mayor. Yeah. And I and 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 let's be you know he's the mayor of, 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 of a town of 13,000 people. That's, that's smaller than my ward. I've got 120,000 people (laughs) that just live in my ward. So, and he makes that very clear that there is a, that there is a seismic difference difference in size, but where he really hones in is you still have to open your front door to the street. If you're living in an apartment, you're coming down the stairs or an elevator. You're opening yourself up to that street. How does that street work for you? How does how does the safety of that street allow you to do the things that you want to do? And in that regard, it doesn't matter how big your city is. You want to make sure that uh, when it comes to active transportation, that it's being done safely. And John has it down back, and it's and it was such a a wonderful opportunity to share his voice to constituents here in Toronto, and just give him a really good time. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun.
1: It's been a lot of fun too, just seeing how on bike Twitter he's he's just exploded, you know, as <laughs> as you know the, the the bicycling mayor, you know, as, for real, <laughs>
2: for real, yeah. Uh,
1: and it's not fair because he's not a single uh, topic, you know you know, no, no. A mayor, and, and, and he's, he's fighting for affordable housing issues, yes. you know, there in the Bay Area, and it's not fair to just, you know, brush him with that stroke and say, oh, he's just yeah. the bicycling mayor. No, no, yeah. no, no. I mean, yeah. he's, yeah. No, no.
0: There, there's a wide portfolio of what he is tackling and how he is doing it. The participatory method in allowing for his constituents to have that voice for him to amplify their needs and to really fight for them. Uh, It's definitely something that I hope other mayors uh, across North America are looking at and wanting to uh, to copy and paste. I I say that a lot. Copying and pasting is not a bad thing. We don't necessarily have to look to Europe, to the Netherlands, to Amsterdam to figure out how to build a safe Uh, streets for constituents here in North America. And every city is going to be different. Toronto has a, you know, here in Toronto, we'll we'll look at Vancouver, we'll look at Montreal. Well, oh man, why can't we? We can't. And, And that's okay, because Montreal is set up a bit differently than Toronto, and so is Vancouver. We can build things that work for our city, that can work for for the population that's here the one single grain is to make sure that it's it's safe for everyone.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it has to be authentically safe and inviting. And and I I look at safety as the bare minimum. <laughs> you know what' it's, that's <laughs> right. the bare it has to actually be inviting. It has to be yeah. if we want a vibrant, thriving city and community that really treats people with dignity, it should also be beautiful. It should actually mm-hmm. you know so safety is the bare minimum yeah. And, yeah. and then beyond that, hey, let's make this amazing because if you make it amazing, guess what? you're going to get more people using it
0: for sure oh, from yeah. a
1: behavior change perspective it's it's like if you really embrace people and you really treat them with dignity guess what they will respond in kind you know if you're going to try to drag people out of their comfy environment in their hermetically sealed luxury vehicle mm-hmm. uh, you might want to have a bike lane that's you know a little more attractive than you know a concrete barrier you know
0: you want it to be that magnet you want it you want it yes. to be sticky you want them to come back again uh, uh i love the... that word sticky i love <laughs> it i love it because because some of the some of the best cycling infrastructure is that infrastructure where you'll see a family yeah. being able to ride yeah. you'll see young kids riding on their own yeah uh you'll see you'll see seniors yeah. that haven't been on a bike in a while taking the opportunity to to get out there so Uh, Those are the those that's that stickiness. That's that stuff that brings you back and you want more of that and you, you want to do it again and again and again.
1: Yeah. You're speaking my language here with health behavior change. Yes. The stickiness, you know, creating friction, you know, when friction is needed to be able to, Mm -hmm. you know, try to move that behavior over to this side and the stickiness of making it, you know, really attractive so that, that, that new behavior, that healthy behavior, that positive behavior, that sustainable behavior sticks. I love it. Fair enough. Yes. It's good stuff. Yeah. So, in closing us out, I want to bring this picture up because <laughs> this is it. I mean, this is why you're doing this stuff. This is your family. Yeah. Talk a little yeah. bit about how, you, like you said, you got you you came into this role in the middle of the winter, and uh, not not the best time to sort of launch it. But you know, that's the, this is the reason why you're passionate about this. Close us out by talking a little bit more about what you see moving forward in 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 the future and and what gives you hope
0: you know both my kids are very responsive to the climate crisis that we're in and they realize that and they're 14 and 11 the likelihood of them getting a driver's license even wanting to drive is that's, that's literally not on the table for them. They want to be able to get around by by bike, by walking, by public transit. They want to do that throughout, you know, their their lives here in Toronto and it's going to be up to myself, up to my wife to really amplify their needs. And it's a hard it's a hard challenging piece to really look them in the eye and say that yeah, you know, we've tried. We've got to do more. We've got to push more. I think realistically, uh, over the next uh, two to five years, you're really going to see that friction hit with vehicles just not being the the primary uh, mover of people. And I think cities in general are going to finally hit that tipping point, understanding that The car-centricness, the car-dependency that we've been doing for 100-plus years is not getting us forward, and that we need to be able to turn to our public transit, making places easier to walk to, and making them safer for cyclists to be able to ride to. We're going to be pushing in that direction more so. The political will is definitely going to be needed, but uh, voices of family members, voices of individuals we got to get louder. We got to get louder. And, and I'm seeing that already. And so, you know, just to, just to wrap that it's um, I live vicariously through my kids and and I'm blessed and lucky enough to have them as the best motivator, but they're bringing along their friends. They're bringing along uh, their families and they're looking for uh, as much amplification of that need for uh, a safe and healthy environment for everyone to be living in. And uh, that's honestly my mission is to give them that.
1: Yeah. We've mentioned political will uh, multiple times. We do need that level of leadership of you've run for office in the past, <laughs> uh, but a lot has changed since back then, because that was a few years ago that you did that. Yeah. So because we do need leadership, like John Botters, we do need that level of leadership. Or, or is that something that you would consider doing again running in in the future?
0: I think that I am very happy being able to throw the peanuts from the gallery on this side. Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely uh, there to help and and to guide uh, new and younger occupants to to a, to the seat of uh, of where our politics need uh, to be. and I'm happy to, you know, to put myself on the side to, to allow bigger ideas and better ideas and more uh, equitable ideas to be uh, put forth. So I'm on the side, but not too far away. And, uh, and definitely here to to help as best as I can for my community and my city.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So helping get those people elected into into office because like you said I'm all all there (laughs) you you have to have that representation there at that local level we know that that's so important you know Kathy Tuttle and I talked a little bit about how important it is to have you know the 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 higher levels too and 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 depending Mm -hmm. on the structure of the city you know having that representation (laughs) at the at the mayor level in, in that suite but and then obviously you know Positive representation at even higher level, at the national level, so incredibly important. Uh, Landry, thank you so very much. It's been an absolute <laughs> joy and pleasure uh, chatting with you here. Thank you for joining me on the Active Towns podcast.
0: This was, I said it was going to be a lot of fun. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so very much for giving me the opportunity to just, you know, be able to push out the wonderfulness of being able to, to ride a bike because it's a lot of fun
1: thank you all so much for tuning in i hope
0: you enjoyed this conversation with lanrick and if you
1: did please remember give it a thumbs up (laughs) leave a comment down below and uh, be sure to share it with a friend as well it's really really important that we get these messages out outside of our bubbles <laughs> so it's real important to share the message uh, within your network so that um, we can spread the word and if you're enjoying this content uh, please consider becoming a patreon supporter uh, just head on over to patreon.com slash active towns and uh, you can become one of the activity ambassadors and you get some pretty cool benefits uh, from that as well including early access to the content uh, via commercial free <laughs> as well as uh, discounts in the active town store and uh, speaking of the active town store you can pick up your own paint is not protection coffee mug and water bottles streets are for people some fun active town swag out there Uh, again i don't make a ton of money off the store but it's a wonderful way to spread the word and uh, again every little bit helps it adds up and you know keeps me going so thank you so very much for tuning in Uh, i really appreciate the support and it's always wonderful to have you along for the ride uh and until next time This is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers.